Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always great to have you with me. I am so excited today. My guest is Jeff Gervitz. Jeff is the founder of Dad Strength. Dad Strength is a community for dads who want to be learned to become present, patient, and take better care of themselves. And the last reason is exactly why I have him on the program. It's taking care of yourselves. That's what we're going to be talking about. So Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the Fatherhood Challenge. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. And we're going to try and keep true to our to our tradition and start out with a favorite dad joke. So Jeff, what is your favorite dad joke? What did the zero say to the eight? Zero. What did the zero say to the eight? Uh, I'm not sure. Nice belt. It's <laughs> a quality dad joke, you know? That is quality. Yes, I love that one. <laughs> yes, that was a great joke to start this program from. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get right into it. There's a lot of new energy around the idea of caring for yourself. Women everywhere have been talking about self-care, but men, eh, not so much. However, that seems to be changing. Is this kind of what you see? What's changing with men? You know, I feel like we kind of have to step back and and define self-care a little bit too, because, you know, uh, if you're watching commercials, it's like light a candle in a bubble bath, buy yourself some stuff. Um, you know, but the origins are not as uh, sort of consumer driven as they were. And, and so, I'm, I mean, women have traditionally been socialized to do a lot of uh, emotional labor to take care uh, of other people. And, and so men's roles traditionally have been a little bit different the idea of self-care was initially out of the medical world and it was, um, they were dealing with very, um, unhealthy people, people who were struggling with, with mental, mental or physical illness. And they were saying, Hey, maybe can some of these folks take more control in their own health? Can they get more activity or, uh, be, you know, get sunlight or whatever the, the thinking was. Um, and then, you know, as the women's rights uh, and civil rights movements sort of gathered steam in the 60s, um, it began to be regarded as as more political. I mean, people were already recognizing that self-care was necessary. If you were working, say, um, in a dangerous profession or where you were exposed to a lot of trauma, maybe you were an EMT and, you know, you uh, a standard night would be dealing with somebody's uh, you know, traumatic injury, a sucking chest wound, or um, if you were a social worker and you were dealing with a lot of uh, struggles day to day, um, you know, we were recognizing that physical health isn't the whole picture. There are other things that weigh on you uh, and can have an impact. And, and um, when people were doing uh, civil rights work or, or liberation work, um, they were realizing, you know, you're at the, at the forefront, you're kind of, you're dealing with inequity, you're dealing with people struggling and that, that is hard on a human. Um, so taking more time and kind of recognizing, Hey, maybe the systems as they exist outside of me, aren't going to always have my, my best interests in mind. Um, and maybe I need to take more control of this. Um, so like a lot of things, um, it was people who were more marginalized. I think that, that, 
began to innovate and understand this stuff. And now we're getting to a point, um, you know, with men and maybe, you know, for the first time in, in modern history, the, the needs of men are less considered. Maybe we're kind of last on the list for a lot of things. And, and, you know, uh, sometimes I hear great pushback against this, but maybe it's, maybe it's our turn. Maybe, um, a lot of other people were, were less considered for people. So, so it's not maybe the best of luck to be born at a time where this exists. But the question then becomes, well, what can we learn and how do we take things into our own hands? And so, you know, I think we'll get into this today, Jonathan, but we'll talk about um, different domains of health, how, you know, like I said, it's not just physical, it can be cognitive, emotional, it can be vocational. What's, what's the work you're like doing? Are you, are you exposed to a lot of danger or is it, you know, out of alignment with your beliefs? So um, just understanding that I can't really take care of other people and I can't have the bandwidth to take care of other people. And that includes my family, the people closest to me, um, until I've, I've done the foundational work of taking care of myself. I mean, that's, that's at the core of all of this. From your approach to things, yes, we're talking about dads, but this idea of caring for yourself and its root, yes, it started as you described with marginalized groups, uh, and their needs. But when it really comes down to it, and we're talking for the family, this is not really at its root a gender issue at all. This is a human, a basic human need. 100%. Why can't it and why shouldn't it be good for men to do this as well? Especially if we're identifying that this is a basic human need. Is this kind of what I'm getting from you? Yeah, you, you hit it beautifully. You know, if you, um, if you don't have enough money in your bank account to uh, buy food or maybe, you know, uh, get clothes for a job interview or pay rent. We can say, hey, you know, I don't have a lot of bandwidth to donate to other causes, uh, no matter how important those may be. And, and that the economics of that are pretty straightforward. Um, and then when we come to health uh, in through a bigger lens and, and we look at our, our psychological well-being, our emotional well-being, uh, maybe our spiritual well-being, however you want to look at it, we have to say, I need this. I need to, um, and it's not to say you have to be an expert uh, level exerciser or you have to be, you know, following the nutrition regimen of, of you know, a, uh, some, I don't know, a health influencer, or somebody following like quantified self stuff. It's just getting sufficiency in all these domains. And we recognize that if I'm going to be there, if I'm going to show up for the people in my life, I can't be revving in the red constantly. I need a surplus of bandwidth. Um, that is what care for other people is, and that is even care for yourself. So uh, the question is just how do we practically get there? But, I, you know, we all know what it's like to be super stressed or, or super tired um, or super hungry or a combination of all of these things. And the odds are not great for you being at your very best. It's not that you can't pull that out, but if we were just going to chart it out uh, and look at what the odds are on you really showing up for other people, taking care of what needs to be done, identifying the real issue, not being emotionally reactive, we, we need a little bit more bandwidth to do all of that. Let's look at the idea of self-care from a generational standpoint. How has the emphasis on men caring for themselves been different from generations when it comes to mental health and physical health. So for example, from the greatest generation all the way to the boober generation, 
to Gen X, Z, all the way up to where we are now? Um, men have not always been given a rich emotional vocabulary to draw, you know, draw from. Um, stoicism has been encouraged, uh, you know, uh, as one friend's uh, partner put it, being kind of like a, a, a stock horse or a Clydesdale, just loading up and, and marching on, uh, uncomplaining. And, um, and a lot of people will tell you, yeah, men are not uh, emotional, um, and that is, of course, if we don't include uh, rage as an emotion or frustration or sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a deep sadness. Like, you know, men have um, not always, there, there are places where, where allowances are made. Uh, you know, we were just watching my wife and I, uh, uh, Welcome to Wrexham, about uh, these guys, uh, uh, you know, investing in and supporting a Welsh uh, football team. and. Um, you know, I, they were pointing out uh, someone. Someone there was pointing out how, you know, men can um, express emotion and affection a lot more easily in um, in a sports setting, for example. Um, but that may not we may not have those options as much um, in other settings. So I think it's only been in recent years that that we've been more explicitly encouraged to. Um, understand our emotions, connect with them, express them, understand that we we have some needs or we may um, need some support. Oh, I, I just learned this great expression. I hadn't heard this before, but to move away from John Henryism, like that's okay. I'm just going to channel everything. I'm going to channel it all into um, into just hard work, and that'll take care of uh, itself. You know, we we are now recognizing we need um, a broader lens on all this stuff, and sometimes we need more support and have to be willing to ask for it. Yeah, it makes sense. Previous generations, at least for men, would have put more emphasis on physical fitness, being physically healthy over mental health. I think we had a very limited idea of what mental health even was. And so if it even had a priority, it took a back seat to physical health. And we thought probably we could cure a lot of mental health issues with just simply more physical activity. Is that kind of like a summarization of of where the generational influences happened? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. You know, you mentioned the greatest generation, and and for them, um, you know, PTSD wasn't even a term. They people sort mm, of very true. You know, shell shock was was used, but the idea that a traumatic event could linger on, the effects of it could linger on after. I mean, I think we all sort of um, accept this now. This is a reality. Um, but that was that was kind of contentious um, at the time, and and people thought, well, you just need to harden up, or you know, um, improve your attitude if if you'd experienced these things. Now we're recognizing, wow, you know, people who have gone through this type of stuff might need all kinds of different support, um, or need to approach things um, over and above the realm of physical health in order to get themselves into a good place. So back in the day, as we as we would say it, for example, trauma, PTSD was just something that you learned to live with. It wasn't something that was an option to treat. And that's probably one of the bigger differences I see uh, and trying to interpret what you were just saying. Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, wellness as a concept is pretty new is I don't know, maybe 20 years old um, or 30, 30 years old um, in terms of of being more mainstream 
they we we've traditionally thought about you know from a health perspective of what is profoundly wrong okay so we're we're used to dealing with um with real illness um and if it's subclinical if it doesn't quite pass muster for for an, an acute medical intervention um you know for most of modern history we've ignored it this is pretty new to be able to say, hey, just because um, something isn't in the realm of, of the clinical or, or we don't see uh, a clear marker, um, it doesn't mean we can't support better, you know, better, better mental health, better emotional health, better relational health. That's a big part of what I'm focusing on with dad strength is just understanding that um, having some conversations with people who get it is, um, you know, take, takes a load off. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes when we do this, I think, I think community, which is something I think about a lot, uh, one of the roles of, of a community is to check in with you and just say, are you okay? Are you okay? And um, a lot of times the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. And if it is, um, do we have some, some approaches? Can we dig into it? Um, but it's to just take people at their word and not say, Hey, if you're not okay in this moment, it's some personal deficit. It's your fault. Um, and, and this sort of, um, this, this myth of the rugged individual, um, I think is often, you know, we, we sort of canonize these people, um, who are super tough, but, but the truth is, you know, you pick, if you're on social media and you follow, um, anyone who is, is that kind of rugged individualist, I promise you, they have a whole support team behind them, behind the mm. scenes, bringing them food, prepping stuff, bringing their water, helping them schedule appointments. It's not a real thing. It really mm -hmm. isn't. Jeff, this next question has been burning in my mind out of curiosity. I'm amazed at what you've been doing with dad strength. And probably those listening right now are peeking their ear saying, what is dad strength? And I'm curious too, what is the story behind dad strength? What inspired you to start it and how does it help dads? You know, dad strength is an ongoing experiment. Um, it is, it is centered in community and, you know, one of these domains of health, which is relational health. Um, for me, uh, you know, I've been a small business owner, uh, for years. I opened up uh, a personal training studio in Toronto in 2008. It's been a long time. And I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, I, I, for years and years, kind of struggled with a sense of sufficiency. Like, is this enough? You know, you know, you worry about your future. Will I be able to retire? Am I going to be able to take care of my family well? And, you know, the pandemic focused a lot of things for me because we had a minute. Uh, and when I say a minute, I mean probably about six months where I said, are we even going to make it? Um, hmm. And that was really challenging. And, and so a couple things happened. One is I leveled up my, my own self-care because I needed it. I was dealing with so much uncertainty and stress. And the other thing that happened was I began to ask the question of just what if, what if all of this went great? What if it went as, as well as possible or whatever your idea, like whatever your version of sufficiency is, um, what if you hit it? And maybe that's a million dollars. Maybe it's $10 million. Maybe it's a hundred, maybe it's something really ridiculous, but whatever it is, just imagine for a moment, you've got it. Everything you want, you've got. And so I, I kind of took that leap and said, all right, well, what would I do next? And it turned out that I 
didn't need any extra resources. I didn't need extra, extra time or anything else. I was able to start this now. Um, I'm, you know, I'm never going to be able to just sit, sit on a beach and relax. I'm, you know, I've got a restlessness. I'm always going to be working on something. And so, you know, Death Strength began as a podcast and, um, you know, there's a book I refer to a lot called The Lean Startup and, um, by Eric Reese. And it's just, you know, if you're building a tech company, um, it's some basic advice. Don't, you know, don't build stuff that people haven't asked for really kind of relentlessly inquire. What, what do people need? What do they want? And I've just kind of taken this as an experiment. Um, you know, I have a small community, uh, that I work with and we have free, uh, weekly chats that people can jump into. And, um, I'm building for them. I'm not building for a future investor. I'm not even building for a future user. I'm just asking what are the people who are in our community right now want and need, uh, in terms of conversations and resources. And, um, it really is an experiment, um, in, you know, among other things in, in community building and understanding what a community does. When a dad doesn't care for himself mentally and physically, how does it impact his family? You know, some of the initial interviews I was doing in surveys as people were coming in asked about what the biggest struggle was. And for a lot of people, they, they expressed a desire to be more patient, to lose their temper less often, to be less reactive. Um, you know, the effects of chronic stress are really well documented. And, um, you know, you may or may not want to read about them because it, it kind of freaks you out a little bit if, if you're in the... <laughs> if you're in the thick of it, but it we know that, um, we can prepare, you know, the, the classic fight or flight. Well, what happens if a bear is chasing us, our body responds, we do some things, we stop, um, and downregulate, uh, say tissue repair, building muscle, kind of longer term processes, because if you die, none of those matter. Um, instead your, your blood pressure is ratcheted up right? Muscles constrict around arteries to uh, speed up or turn of blood to the heart so you can oxygenate it. You're filled with adrenaline. Um, you're, you're ready for action. So this is, this is you're going you're gonna to fight or you're going to flee, theoretically. There's some other things that could happen. But, um, and this is an acute stress response and it, it makes sense. It's the right thing. There's no point in looking at the long term if you're not going to survive the short term. However, um, we have um, as a species, this sort of interesting burden of um, being able to experience that level of stress without any bears chasing us and without any real uh, physical threat. Um, the wrong turn of phrase, um, feeling uh, like you messed up in a meeting or um, not feeling competent at work or, or worrying about some, what somebody else said, um, worrying about your finances, whatever it is, all of these can bring us into that stress response. And if it's once in a while, it's fine. Body can shake it off. It's adaptive. But if we're living there all the time, um, you know, we, we can think about not just the physiological effects and, and those tend to be over time, things like high blood pressure, um, you know, is, is, is a really common thing. And that is, that is, uh, something that is, um, you know, epidemic in men. Um, but we can also think about what is what are the mental impacts, and when you are in an acute stress response or or a chronic one, you are not really zooming out. You're not using your peripherals to assess the situation. You've got tunnel vision. Um, you're highly reactive. You're almost looking for things to set you off um, because your body's prepped for that. And so, um, if anyone has been, you know, 
uh, short of temper, we've all done this, um, too reactive with family, then yeah, maybe there's some things we can do in the moment. But one of the, you know, if we zoom out and look at the big picture of health, the best way, you know, and, and, and the core belief, you know, at the heart of everything I do is our, our priority is to be present, right? Um, that is a surplus of bandwidth. Like I said, it, it, it's, um, we are there, we are really connecting with other people, really connecting with ourselves. We're living in the moment. Um, that, that's what we aspire to do. And, and so taking care of health doesn't guarantee presence, but it lowers the barriers and, and makes it more likely. So if we look at things like, um, how is your exercise? How is your nutrition? Are you getting daily activity? Do you have relationships? Do you have someone you can talk to? Um, are you living in a way that is in alignment with, with your values? Do you really know your values? Um, and, and, and the thing that I really try to, um, communicate to people is you don't have to be amazing at all of these or any of these. You need like a C grade. That's it. Um, you need a C in nutrition. You need a C in sleep. You need a C in relationships. Um, and, and having competence, just being okay in all of these domains is enough to build a, a resilient human being and buy you a little bit more space to then ask, what is the next thing? How can I um, either reinvest in myself or, or take better care of the people in my life? One of the biggest reasons I hear for dads not doing any physical care is time. They're just too busy. Can that ever be a valid reason or are there still ways to care for yourself even in a busy schedule? You know, of course it's a valid reason to be so busy. You know, a lot of people don't have much time for themselves, but there's something that's kind of liberating. And um, I'm still really working on the language around this, but I, if, you know, if you'll indulge me, I want you to imagine uh, an inverted pyramid. So the, the points at the bottom. And um, these are health practices, could be anything, could be exercise, movement, um, you know, time outdoors, time in nature, um, your relationships, any of these things. And if it's empty and we begin to pour water into it, um, you make progress very rapidly, right? So if you want to be an elite athlete, if you want to be world-class, you know, you're putting in 25, 30 hours a week probably of, of physical activity. And that's really hard. And that's what's going to take someone maybe from, um, you know, fr from 98% of their, of their true potential, the true, true physical and genetic potential to maybe 98.5%. Those gains are really incremental at that level. But when you're a beginner, like the worse off you are, the more detrained, the more deconditioned, uh, the less you have, the easier it is to make progress. And so if someone's not exercising at all and they say, I don't have time, I can't go to the gym for 90 minutes, you know. Um, the amazing thing is five minutes can be impactful. So wherever you are, a little bit more makes a difference. Um, and, and a lot of times we'll use, um, I refer people to Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg, which is a, a tremendous system. And it just looks at your day. And so you can pick a thing that you do every single day reliably. Like I turn on the coffee maker and after I turn on the coffee maker, I will. Um, and here's where we insert an action. I will do at least three body weight squats, for example. Um, and then I will celebrate. So it's ABC, anchor behavior celebration. Um, why do we celebrate for, for guys who, um, you know, don't put a lot of truck in positive emotions. It's just a way to lock it in. We, we, 
um, have positive associations with this. So it doesn't have to be, you can clap your hands and you can stomp or sing if you're an effusive kind of person. But for me, you know, I've always just kind of smiled or just thought about how this is a vote um, for the direction I would like to live my life. I would like to have a little more physical activity. So you do the, um, so you've got your anchor, click on the coffee maker, you do at least three squats. And if you feel like doing more after that, you do more by all means, you can always do more. And then you celebrate it. And the reason I think this is so powerful is because A, it, it leverages the, the spaces and environments in your day. Um, and B, really interestingly, it um, creates a version of action that is utterly dependable, that even on your worst day, um, you're most rushed, right? You're most stressed. You can still do this thing. Um, and you build up a consistent practice. And all these things, you know, will three squats change your life? No, but they may be enough to, to inch it forward a little bit. You may choose to do more. But then as we build more and more of these, these practices into our, into our days, we don't need big rocks. This is sand that we sprinkle into these little, you know, interstitial spaces. Um, the more of these we have um, and things that are in line with our values, things we actually want to do, right? And that's the other part. <laughs> you, have to, you have to care. Like you have to want to do it, which doesn't mean you're going to have a ton of motivation. But if you care about it, it's important to you, you'll have a little motivation reliably and you can leverage that. And as we build these, these habits and practices in, um, you know, I'm fond of saying they're incremental until they're exponential. Jeff, how can dads connect with you to learn more about what you're doing or to get coaching? Uh, come to dadstrength.com, uh, pop on the site. You can fill out a form to um, join our weekly conversations for free. Um, you can uh, find out I do free consults. Um, you know, we have some sliding scale stuff for, uh, for more frequent uh, community visits um, and, and some paid coaching options. But more than anything right now, I just want, um, if this is going to be helpful for you, I don't want uh, financial things to be a barrier. Come join us um, and we'll talk it through. All right. And just to make it easier for those listening, if you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, that's the Fatherhood Challenge. Dot com, And if you go to this episode description and look just below the description, I'm going to put the link to dad strength there. So it'll be easy. You can just click on it and it'll take you right to Jeff's site. So Jeff, as we close, what is your challenge to dads listening now? You know, what I would challenge you to do is think about um, what you want to work on in terms of in terms of your own health. And that could be exercising more, that could be uh, making a change to the way you're eating, slowing down, whatever it is. Um, think about what that is and think about where you're feeling stuck. And then what I want to challenge you to do is find a more humble version of action, something that you don't have to wait for, for a future version of you, for uh, the situation to get easier, um, something that you can do now try it. That was absolutely perfect. Again, a simple, actionable step that anyone can do. Jeff, I have been looking forward to this conversation for a long time, so I am very grateful that you came on the Fatherhood Challenge. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.